You are now listening to the Major Jobs Podcast. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Major Jobs Podcast. Today I got to talk with someone in the STEM field. In technical terms, he's a quality control scientist, but to put it in more simpler terms, he's a chemist and that's what he does on a daily basis. He works with chemistry and he also has a degree in chemistry, so that's what he works on on a daily basis. It was really interesting talking to someone from the STEM field. I think this is one of the few times I've been able to do it and I want to talk to more. It's one of those jobs that are becoming more and more prevalent and there's a lot more people wanting to get into those jobs. So it was really interesting learning about what it's like. So I just wanted to say thank you to Tyler for doing this. I really appreciate it. And I just want to say that I learned a lot. I'm pretty sure that my audience will learn a lot too. So thank you for doing this. I really appreciate it. Say thank you so much for doing this. I really wanted to talk to somebody in your position, and it's just something that I feel like a lot of people just want to go into in my high school, at least. For so, sure. Yeah. So, what would you say your job title is? Uh, my job title currently is a quality control scientist, uh, but I, the work that I do varies between quality control scientists like testing and then also like uh manufacturing chemist um manufacturing essentially on a production scale but my official title is a quality control scientist so what would you say the job description is or what do you do uh so the job that i do i work for a contract manufacturing organization so what they do it would be like uh when you go they, we make pharmaceuticals. So when you go to Target or whatnot and you want to pick up a bottle of aspirin, somebody has to make the aspirin itself, and then another company will take that aspirin and put it into a container and sell it to Target. So the stuff we make, it's their active pharmaceutical ingredients or APIs. That's the stuff in the medicine that actually does stuff. It's not the container, it's not the packaging, it's not the marketing, it's the actual ingredients that will interact with your body. So at my company, we make that stuff. Our clients are the people who have the patents for these uh, various medicines. We'll make the active ingredients, send it to them, and then they'll package it up and then send it to Target or wherever, doctor's offices. In my particular job, on the testing side, uh, what I will do is I will take samples of these active ingredients at various stages during the process and test them. And I'm basically I'm testing them to make sure that like the purity requirements uh, match what like the FDA is looking for, making sure that we don't have anything abnormal happen, making sure that uh, on the manufacturing side, like if something weird happens, we don't wait until we've spent millions of dollars and it's the very end of the project. And we're like, hey, by the way, we have to scrap this entire batch because we accidentally used one chemical instead of another. So on the testing side, it's it's called in-process control testing. I'm making sure that the manufacturing side is going according to plan. When I work on the manufacturing side, it's more like working in a uh, for a giant kitchen. Uh, we have these things called batch records. And these batch records are essentially very detailed cookbooks that tell you exactly how much of everything to add for how long, uh, for, you know, how long it needs to mix, how long it needs to dry, how much you need to add of chemical A versus chemical B. 
And as you're following this recipe, you're filling it out as you go along. So it'll say, step one, add 50 milliliters of acetonitrile. So then you would write in, I added 50 milliliters, and then you would sign and date that you did that at that step. So essentially on the manufacturing side, it's just following a massive cookbook all day long. Uh, and depending on the day, you may be making different chemicals or different uh, medicines, but it's all highly, highly regulated and very prescribed in these batch records. So how would you say that you got into the job? So did you always know that you wanted to work in this kind of STEM field from an early age? Kind of. Uh, when I was a kid, I was very interested in uh, the kind of behind the scenes and cool aspects of various things of life. So like, for example, I was really big and loved magic tricks. I thought they were super neat. Mm. I couldn't pull them off. I was awful at them, but I thought they were really, really cool. And as a result, that kind of translated in high school into being very interested in physics and very interested in uh, actually elementary particle physics with like the stuff within atoms, within protons and neutrons, the uh, quarks and whatnot. Uh, so I always kind of knew I wanted to go that direction because I like the behind the scenes. When I was a kid, though, uh, I didn't expect that I'd go into chemistry really because I hated taking notes. Like, uh, my dad and I, when, when I was a kid, we had one of those uh, home chemistry sets. I don't know if they sell them anymore, but back in the day, you used to be able to run to Toys R Us, and, well, that doesn't exist anymore, but uh, you're, you could run to the toy store and get this kit that was a whole bunch of different little chemicals, and you had these prescribed reactions you could do, and you could learn about mm -hmm. stuff as you did them. Uh, I think my dad and I tried to do two or three of them, and I would kind of call it quits because I just kept getting annoyed about how many times I had to write down how many things I was adding. I wanted to see an explosion. I wanted to see color changes. Uh, so I didn't really expect that I was going to go into chemistry that much, but I was very interested in the physics side because of that behind the scenes, how things work. Uh, but then I got into college and I failed my uh, physics class. It did not go well whatsoever. Uh, and so at that point, I decided to pick up chemistry because it was a similar idea, but uh, a, a little bit more application than the physics I was looking at at the time. So how did you find out about the job, about this specific job? This specific job, uh, let me try and remember how I found out about it. I, uh, to be honest, uh I was, let me think. When I got out of college, I wasn't 100% sure what I was going to do with my degree. I got a degree in chemistry itself. And I wasn't sure what I was going to do with it because uh, I'm down in the San Diego area. And uh, the biotech industry is huge here. Uh, so with a straight chemistry degree, I didn't know what to do. And so I, I kind of tried a different couple different places. I tried a testing lab doing uh doing just the paperwork side. I tried a clinical laboratory uh, dealing more with like blood and bone marrow. Uh, and then I found this contract manufacturing organization purely through just looking at what was available uh, and, and where I happened to be at this particular moment. And now that I've been here at this particular company for a while, I've kind of, I've learned more and more about the CMO process. And uh, this, when you're in a contract manufacturing organization, they have a whole lot of strict regulations, and it's this thing called GMP. It's good manufacturing practices. That it's 
it's assumed and understood within the manufacturing community that if you're making stuff for the FDA, you are following these general practices. And so you can take GMP from one company to another a lot of times if, if everybody's playing the way that they should be playing. Uh, but yeah, that's kind of a roundabout way to say that I kind of discovered this company just by looking for jobs, honestly, and, and kind of stumbled upon it. And it's worked out pretty well for me overall. So what would you say you do on a daily basis? What's kind of like your daily schedule like? Sure. Uh, for on the testing side, it's a lot. Uh, it, it tends to change a lot because it's reliant on what manufacturing is doing that day. So if manufacturing that day is making, you know, 60 some gallons of three different types of solutions, I'll probably be testing those three solutions. And if the next day they're not making that, then I, I won't be running those tests at all. Uh, so the, the, that means that the day before I get the samples, I need to make sure all my machines are ready. I need to make sure that all of the solutions that I need to test their stuff have been prepped ahead of time. So on, the, uh, so on the testing side, it really varies day by day. For me personally, when I walk into work, like the first thing I do is usually I will touch base with manufacturing and be thoroughly scouring my emails just to make sure I know exactly what's coming in that day. Uh, because one of the worst feelings you can have is when manufacturing comes in with 10 samples and they go, hey, yeah, we... You, you knew this was coming in, right? We need these like in an hour, right? You can do this for us. And you go, well, it's going to take me about five hours to get all of my reagents ready. Mm. So no, I can't. Mm. That's an awful feeling. So mm -hmm. communication is super, super key on the testing side. Mm. On the manufacturing side, it's very streamlined. It's you come in, you know exactly what you're going to do every day. You know exactly how much of every single buffer and solution you're making every day. Uh, you know, you're working all the machinery uh, at usually at expected time points. Uh, it's very, very scheduled when you're on the manufacturing side. So would you say as someone with a degree in chemistry that everything that you learned in, in college applies to your job? Um, yes and no. Uh, in college, for the college that I went to, for the chemistry program, there was a lot of, I mean, I guess it's in the case with a lot of colleges, there's a lot of focus on the, the knowledge behind of what's going on and not a whole lot of the application necessarily. And so what that results in is you get, at least for me, I got out of college and I kind of expected to, you know, find a job and I would be researching new compounds or doing R&D or, you know, discovering all these new things. When in reality, what you're doing is you're taking all the principles you learn in college and doing fairly routine tasks that, uh, but you just understand the the why of, of what you're doing mm -hmm. from college. Uh and in college as well, like you're stressed for trying to pass these tests. And so you're not really thinking, huh, on a day-to-day -day aspect at work, I'm going to be, you know, seeing what's the impurity level of this compound? Is it 1% or is it 5%? If it's 1%, I have to fail it and we have to talk with manufacturing. If it's 5%, we have to stop all manufacturing altogether. You're not really thinking on that level. But all the things you learn in college, they... Uh, they're kind of the behind-the-scenes reasoning behind of what you're doing on a day-to-day -day level. And the better you understand what you're doing in college, the easier the work generally is. Uh, there's a lot of, especially in the testing side, there's a lot of kind of on-the-fly troubleshooting that'll be going on. So you'll get a sample, 
and you'll run it through your machines and it will show some strange impurities. It's not wrong. It just looks a little strange. Now, if you have a pretty good understanding of the science behind what the machines are doing, which you would learn in college, you can look at it and accurately diagnose, is this something wrong with the machine? Is it something wrong with the sample? Or is it something wrong with me? Did I, did I make it, you know, did I prep the sample wrong? Uh, if you don't have a strong background from college, you'll just kind of look at it and either not even notice it or or panic when you don't need to panic. It, it just gives you more tools to understand things in depth. Uh, but I also but I also say that it's it's partially not relevant the stuff you learn in college because when you get out of college into chemistry, you come in at the ground floor. Uh, a chemistry degree doesn't really let you skip the line and start doing a bunch of extra stuff. There's mm. a lot of practical things that you learn that you kind of have to learn from experience that you may not learn in college. It depends on the program. Uh, so, yeah, it, it's kind of yes and no. Some stuff is very relevant and other stuff it's really relevant to get the job experience and you just really won't learn it in college. So what do you say are like some traits that you need to have to be in the profession? I would say uh, there's a couple of things. Uh, being aware of yourself, of like what your learning style is, can be extremely helpful because uh, chemistry, you, you are constantly learning things. Uh, there's always something new that you don't understand or something that you don't know as well as somebody more experienced. And if you know how you learn, like I'm a kinesthetic learner. I tend to learn by doing things. If I read it, maybe I'll learn it. But if I do it, I'll really learn it. If you know that, you can kind of shortcut and the the pack of people that are trying to learn and get ahead of them because you will have solidified that knowledge versus listening to someone tell you about it, maybe taking a couple notes, maybe trying a little bit, and at the end of the day going, I don't remember anything because you didn't use that particular method that's key for you to learn. So that tends to be a pretty important trait. Again, a willingness to learn is, yeah, definitely an important trait. Attention to detail tends to be pretty important because uh, it can be anything... Attention to detail is important because on some cases, like on the testing side, you can notice little things that are wrong that can save you down the road for you know just time or effort or money. On the manufacturing side, uh, attention to detail can like literally save lives kind of thing uh, because you're working with such toxic chemicals and you're working under such high pressure and you're working in such volumes. Uh, if you, for example, if you forget to depressurize a vessel and you know, give the all clear and somebody opens said vessel, they now have a bunch of toxic chemicals that are shooting out at them at pressure, which has happened. Like it, it sounds weird because it's like, well, wouldn't you just notice that the pressure is high? Uh, if you don't have a great attention to detail, it can cause problems and it can be life or death kind of situations in the manufacturing environment. So those are kind of the, the biggest things, to be honest. It's, it's definitely beneficial if you're comfortable with math and numbers. You don't have to be like an expert at it. I think like in my chemistry program, the, we had to take up through Calculus 3. On a day-to-day -day level, I don't even use like first semester calculus. Like it's pretty much algebra. Like 
in Algebra 2 kind of that kind of level. So as long as you're comfortable with numbers, it's totally feasible. Uh, the one final thing that's kind of optional, but it's helpful in the long run, is humility, honestly, is really, really beneficial in the science field. Uh, there is a funny quirk with science where some people, uh, they tend to learn a lot about one subject. And when they become experts in that one subject, they tend to look at the rest of the world and think, I can probably figure that out. I probably can like just guess what the right answer is for that. And the fact of the matter is they, they're not an expert in those other topics. They're an expert in their one field. Uh, so arrogance tends to run pretty hot in the science community at times. Uh, but people who are more humble and who are, are willing to learn from others, uh, they make a really good impression. And they are a really strong asset for the team and for the company. Uh, so it's not really required to succeed in chemistry, but it's definitely beneficial to have. And I kind of want to just touch back on the point you talked about before about the different types of subjects you need to know. Mm -hmm. So what are some specific things that you need to know? So, okay, going back to my chemistry class, I learned about titrations. Mm -hmm. I learned about, you know, different stuff like that. So like, what are some like specific things that for people listening that know about chemistry um you can just like talk a little bit about what you need to know um <laughs> what's unfortunate is it's everything kind of uh wow okay but this is so okay so my personal opinion is that in general chemistry is taught extremely poor because uh from my experience when you first have an introduction to chemistry you do general chemistry they, each chapter is a completely different topic, and it's all over the map. Um, and you're learning so many different things that don't really correlate to each other necessarily. Uh, once you get into college, the first two or three classes will be like that, and then it all specializes. So, you know, in your general chemistry class, you had a class that was talking about these are what atoms look like, and these are how atoms interact for a chapter. In the higher classes, you'll spend a whole semester just looking at how atoms interact. And as a result, you have a much better understanding of what's going on versus in general chemistry, it's kind of just like a shotgun approach of like, all right, here's the general theory of titration. So you kind of know what's going on. But because it's taught so quickly, you're, it's, it's hard to hold on to it and, and what the bigger picture is. So... To be frank, a lot of the stuff that like I learned in my general chemistry classes, I use every day or it's around me every day. But uh, like in your titration example, you're you're going to be doing, you know, long equations to do the calculation of when, you know, when the endpoint is, when the halfway point is, all that kind of stuff. You won't do that in a normal day-to-day -day lab. It's just you happen to be doing a titration and the equipment will calculate for you when the half point is. But if you understand the background of it, you are more likely to spot problems. Uh, so like on a day-to-day -day level, like what I interact with, uh, you know, 
buffer preparation, um, mixing, uh, titrations, uh, UV, uh, what other things say, um, bonding somewhat like ionic structures a little bit. Uh, but it's, unfortunately, it's kind of like you're going to, in general chemistry on a day-to-day aspect, you're going to touch all of it, but you Mm. will not need to know it the way you need to know it to pass a test. Mm. It's going to be more of, are you comfortable with the concepts of how titration works? Great. Okay, cool. Mm. Into the lab Mm. you go. Like, that's kind of the deal. So what would you say is, uh, I guess, some, like, fun stories or experiences that you can share about your job? Um, so the, the thing that's funny is that it's a lot of the stuff that I do is really, really cool when you, like, actually look at, like, what's happening. But it's so easy to take it for granted because you're not doing those tedious calculations. So it's like the equivalent of you're cooking food and you use the microwave and it's just done. And it's like, okay, cool, my food's done. But the science behind it, like what you're actually doing is really, really cool. Um, but you take it for granted. So like uh, a really cool thing that we were, um, uh, I was doing recently, uh, it, there's certain chemicals. We want to know the water content of them. And there's a particular apparatus. It's a Carl Fisher. It's called a Carl Fisher apparatus. And essentially what you do is you add your ingredients or your reagents and measure the electricity that is generated during the reaction. And from that reaction, you can back calculate how much water was in your original uh, uh, reagents. But it's all because of the formulas and it's all because of knowing you know, if you have two things of A and three things of B, and that makes one thing of C, and then that also makes five things of D, you can back calculate how much F was originally in the whole situation. So it's, uh, that stuff is really cool, but it's really, really easy to take for granted. Uh, other cool stuff uh, would probably be, uh, our, a lot of our chemicals or a lot of our medicines, uh, we we uh, freeze dry it to help purify it. We have these big machines called lyophilizers. And essentially, it's this programmed system of reducing the temperature and uh, applying a vacuum in very specific measures so that you can evaporate off any chemicals you don't want and then keep all the chemicals you do want. So that's really cool because you'll load the lyo or you'll load the lyophilizer in this this gross white, uh, you know, just liquid that you dump in, and then like five days later you go back in and it's this nice powdery white reagent, like, and that's what's going to go into clients essentially in the long run uh, after it's been packaged. Um, but yeah, unfortunately, there's not a whole lot of flashy stuff. It's more just very interesting applications mm-hmm, of what's mm-hmm. going. So what are some things that you would only find in this job and like not in others? Uh, let me see. Well, there's, uh, hmm, let me think. There's like so many different aspects that go on of in each different room for different reactions that are happening at any given time. Uh, 
probably for this job, the some of the coolest and scariest things that's unique is uh, we were doing some manufacturing, large scale manufacturing, and you're looking at like 50 or 60 gallons worth of stuff that you're manufacturing at one given time. And working on a scale that size, it's a little bit mind boggling mm -hmm. because uh, it's so precise and it's so controlled. Uh, you know, you're, you're adding an exact amount of this liquid on something that you, the, the vessel itself that you're working in these things, you could fit like five or six people in the vessel mm -hmm. itself. Mm -hmm. Uh, so that's kind of an experience in of its own. Uh, on the manufacturing side, or sorry, on the um, on the GMP CMO kind of commercial manufacturing, one of the unique things definitely is dealing with regulation, uh, dealing with, like, we'll have FDA inspections. Uh, I think every couple years they come out, and they'll come out unexpectedly. Uh, so dealing with that kind of stuff is really unique. Uh, dealing with penmanship which is so annoying <laughs> but uh some companies are are electronics based and so everything is digital uh this particular company that i'm at a lot of their stuff is paper so they have some digital stuff and some paper stuff and so just realizing how important penmanship is uh is kind of a unique experience i i will be glad when we move towards electronic over paper though because i'm very tired of <laughs> constantly mm -hmm. making notes and whatnot but yeah it's it, and you do get to work with a lot of really cool chemicals uh mm -hmm. there's and almost everything we work with these chemicals so frequently like everything's abbreviated so like you'll have acetonitrile we just call it acn or you'll have uh trifluoroacetic acid which we just call tfa or uh hydrofluoric acid we'll just call hf um and that is actually a pretty cool experience, being able to work with so many different reagents mm -hmm. that the average person has never even heard of, let alone seen, let alone mm -hmm. worked with on a hand-to-hand -hand mm -hmm. kind of thing. So what would you say is your advice to a teenager that wants to pursue this kind of STEM field, chemistry field? What is your advice to them? Um, my advice is definitely... Um, Ensure that you have a really strong work ethic because at the end of the day, since you're always going to be learning things, uh, in my opinion, it does not matter how much you already know when you come in. It's how hard you're willing to work to learn the new things. So if you come right out of college and you barely passed your classes, but you're willing to work really, really hard and really pay attention – I will take you over a 4.0 student any day because the 4.0 student may know their stuff, but they may also think that they know everything and so they don't want to listen. Um, GPAs are, with the exception of like, so if you're working in academia, that's a little bit different than if you're working in like a manufacturing lab like this. GPAs are less relevant um, when you're when we're, we're like looking through resumes of like who we want to hire. What we're really looking for is uh, what have you done? Not really what have you studied. Uh, so that's when I was in chemistry in classes, uh, I was very, very concerned about my studies and about my GPA. 
that is less of a concern. It's more concerned of your personal work ethic and your character. Um, the other thing I would also give as advice is make sure that you actually want to be in the sciences and not because other people have told you want to be in the sciences. When I was in college, there was, and I, I, I don't know if this is still a big thing, but when I was in college, uh, the STEM push was huge. And it was, it, there, there, there was this like kind of narrative idea that there's not enough people in STEM and everybody needs to go into STEM because this is the future. Um, and what has happened is when I graduated, we had a whole bunch of STEM students that were like, oh yeah, cool, let's go find a job. Okay, there's a whole bunch of us now. Uh, mm. So the STEM drought, when it comes on the chemistry side, may be a little bit exaggerated. Uh, so, so don't pick chemistry just because someone tells you you should pick STEM and chemistry is a really great option. Pick chemistry because you like understanding the behind the scenes of how life works um and you like getting your hands into it physics is definitely like you understand the behind the scenes but it's a lot of theoretical uh whereas chemistry is more you understand the behind the scenes and all right take a scoop of reagent a and a scoop of reagent b and we'll put that into action now uh but yeah i think those would be my biggest my biggest suggestions it's it's a very interesting field and you can take it in a whole bunch of different ways but uh you will constantly be learning you will never really be able to say all right I've, i am the expert of everything in chemistry you are the expert of one little sliver mm. of so many different parts of chemistry so my last question to you is what does the future look like? So what do you want to do or keep doing? Uh, I definitely enjoy working in the quality control environment. I'm, I'm planning on staying with that. Uh, what I'd actually like to start transitioning towards is uh, more of like a project management side of the quality control because that will... So already in quality control, you're, you have all these little pieces that you're making sure... You know all uh, you know, all the impurities are low enough, and the and the reagents look good. Project management is taking like one step back and going, okay, do we have enough machines? Do we have enough people? Do we have enough of the reagents to test in the first place? Um, so it it's it's more of a planning aspect of quality control work, uh, which I really really enjoy because I like seeing all the pieces come together. Uh, but but yeah, that's kind of my five ten year plan is to move more towards that direction. But uh, I've I've definitely had a lot of bumps up and down the road with my career so far. But it has been getting better and better as it comes along, uh, and I get more experience and I and I find new opportunities and again new things to learn. <laughs> like, uh, mm -hmm. but yeah, it's I I definitely have enjoyed where my career has taken me so far. All right. I just want to say thank you so much for doing this. I know a lot of people in my school and a lot of people in high schools, they're really pushing for that STEM, like you said. And I just know a lot of people that just want to focus on that area. So I just want to say thank you for doing this and just giving me your experience. And I'm sure a lot of people listening right now will say thank you to you too because you gave a, really, a lot of great insight into what you do and just like that field in general. Yeah, no worries. Thank you. And keep up this, keep up your good work. This is an awesome podcast. I'm, <laughs> I'm, uh, I think it's really cool what you're doing too. 
that's that's honestly why I reached out because I was really impressed with with your vision and your goal and what you're setting out to accomplish. Thank you so much. All right. And that was the interview. I really hope that you learned a lot from this interview. I definitely learned so much. And I just want to say thank you so much to Tyler for doing this interview. And I can't thank him enough. If you haven't yet already, you can follow me on Instagram at Major Jobs Podcast and set, uh, follow me over at Twitter too at Major Jobs Pod. Other than that, I just hope that you enjoy the rest of your day. I've got some great episodes coming up, so can't wait to release those. And I'll see you in the next one. All right. Thanks for listening to the Major Jobs Podcast. If you liked it, please be sure to follow us on Instagram at Major Jobs Podcast. If you have an interesting career and want to be featured on the show, send us an email at majorjobspodcast at gmail.com with your job title and college major if applicable. Again, thanks for listening. And remember, life happens wherever you are, whether you make it or not.